0: Hello, and welcome to the Wild Truth Chase podcast with myself, Nira Shah, and my co-host, Nick Schaefer. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing pretty well this week. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. I'm getting pretty good at that intro now, I think. It, it's it's rolling off a lot easier than it used to. I'm wondering whether we should mix it up a little bit. I think it's, it's becoming the too same, too yeah, predictable. That's right. I think we need to yeah, we need to mix it up. I I'm, I'm in agreement. We are in episode 8 of season 3, and episode 8 is going to be all about humor and storytelling. But before we get there, is there anything from episode 7, Nick? Yeah, we had a poll as usual last week. And
1: I asked people how many times they, they laugh per day. And we had one vote for less than 10 times per day and one vote for more than 10 times per day. So there's some, some diversity in the audience.
0: I find it hard to imagine how you can last less than 10 times a day. That feels like a very small number. Well, they must be getting a lot of very serious work done. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. And, and so if for anyone who missed it, last week's episode was about laughter and humor. So hence the questions. Was there anything else from last week, Nick? Yeah, the question we had, the open-ended question, is
1: what makes you laugh? And we had one response, very flattering. The first part of the response was us. We make this person laugh. <laughs> but, but besides that, and probably more realistically, they mentioned absurd but comical viewpoints, reactions, and interpretations to normal and historical behavior and events. And we also had had some activity in the Discord where one of our listeners was recommending some sketch comedy, in particular Mr. Show and a little known, I I think it's little known, probably has a cult following show called The Whitest Kids You Know. And so there are some sketches in there. I won't ruin it for anybody who else wants to come in and and see them in the Discord, but I think for a certain kind of person they're they're quite
0: quite funny. <laughs> so today we're definitely gonna test that whole Nick and Neeraj making people laugh thing. Today's episode, a humor and storytelling. And we do have a story yeah. to go through.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, the original idea for this episode came because there was a lot of discussion of storytelling in humor in some of the materials that I was reviewing previously, and we didn't really have a good place to put them in the show previously, but when I saw the idea for the episode, I was also excited about it because you're somebody who's quite quite a writer, actually.
0: Oh, I do I do try my best. So I I have written a novel, which I eventually want to get get out there in some form or another. But I do do very much. I enjoy writing. I, I find it quite relaxing and creative. So yeah, that's right. Okay, we're gonna do our best to perform this story as a way of opening up the
1: episode. And obviously, we have limitations here. You know, we haven't we've never read it before. And also there's just the two of us. So Neeraj is going to be the main character and the narrator, and I'm going to be the supporting character.
0: So the story is, so I didn't have much time to think of a title. And also it doesn't quite, I never brought it to a finish that I was satisfied with. I was just kind of busy writing and it, it, as people will find out as we go through it, but for now it's just called A Man and His AI Companion. That's the name of the story. And are you ready to go, Nick? Yeah, let's do it. Should we do it? Okay. Give it our best. All right. Okay, here we go. Like all the other children in my class, I was given an AI companion on the first day of school at the tender age of five. It was nothing to look at when it was handed to me, a black pocket-sized metallic slab with a display that gave my companion a face. It arrived with no name, and my parents, desperate to avoid another explosive tantrum, let me name it. It took us a while to bond what with me having the memory of a five-year-old and my companion in need of recharging every few days but eventually we got to a good place until now i guess oh shut the fuck up fred i shout in the 20 years between then and now fred has had a few upgrades he's not so much a thing anymore he's more like a presence i'm not even sure he's really a he you think in 20 years someone would have come up with better words for them look barry All I'm saying is that you're underachieving. I groan and slouch further down in the armchair where I've been camped since Fred persuaded me out of bed with his incessant verbal prodding.
1: It's a verifiable fact,
0: says Fred. I groan even louder because I know where this is going.
1: You graduated in around the 50th percentile, but socially and economically, you're in the bottom 10th percentile of your age group.
0: Stop judging me. I throw a cushion, but unlike a few years ago, there's nothing physical to aim for.
1: It's just the facts, Barry. You have the capability to be average, but you're not currently living up to your potential. A few years
0: ago, I'd have switched him off.
1: Your parents are in the top 10% of earners.
0: Fred trails off because we've been here too, and on one of those occasions, he suffered mortal injuries before the cloud resurrected him. Now he's just part of the fabric. I can't get rid of him. I'm injured, I say. I'm aware, says Fred.
1: I was there. Lauren should have left you earlier, but that's what happens when you don't
0: listen to your companion. I was never good enough for Lauren's companion. Fuck Beatrice in a condescending tone. Beatrice's absence is the one good thing to have come out of the breakup. They figured out how to make you omnipresent, but not how to give you emotions, I say. They gave us emotions, says Fred. But that didn't help anyone. It just made everything
1: more unpredictable. Humans need objectivity and guidance, not someone to validate their
0: emotions. I groan once more. I am injured. My heart is broken. I've known Lauren for the best part of ten years. Apart from Fred, who I can't escape, she's been ever-present. Thanks to Beatrice, she's decided she can do better than 10th percentile. You're feeling sorry for yourself, says Fred. I grab a blanket and hide myself underneath it. But there is no hiding from my companion. He's like a voice in my head. It's a shame your parents did not have much time for you, says Fred. You're
1: a psychologist now are you Fred? The simulations show if they'd spent more time with you, your current circumstance could have been avoided. You're just upset that they let me name you, I say
0: with a wry smile. Are you smiling? Says Fred, and I wonder for a moment if he's not telling the entire truth about emotions. After a pause, he carries on. That says it all. It's a name to be proud of, I say. Fred Pants. Maybe I'm incorrect about your potential, says Fred. Fred Pants, I say again. Fred, middle name, Poopy Pants. Fred Poopy Pants. I burst out laughing. Silly names are not an anomaly, says Fred, who hesitates a moment. But it is surprising that you never changed it. Change the name Fred Poopy Pants, I say with mock shock, lowering my blanket. It's a proud name. If Fred Poopy Pants had a head, he would be shaking it right now. I think a change of direction is required, says Fred. He trails off. His voice never betrays any emotion, always even keeled. But the pauses. I take each one of those as a small victory. They probably mean he's having to look up something or perform a calculation. The way I see it, I'm giving him something to think about. Maybe it'd be best for society
1: to accept that it's your place. One of those that never made it. You're giving up on me, I ask. This is a turn I never saw coming, and it has stunned me somewhat. My calculations suggest your chances to ascending social ladder are slim. Maybe it's best to stop trying. Society is always in need of able bodied workers. I think there is a realistic future there. I'm sure we can find an appropriate mate, too.
0: My concern is mounting. Fred, I begin. Fred Poopy Pants. He corrects me. Fred Poopy pants, I say, stumbling over the words. What are you going on about? The probabilities, says Fred. They're not in your favor.
1: And that means I belong down a mining shaft? It's a companion's responsibility to find our humans a meaningful place in society. I thought it was your responsibility
0: to be my friend. You gave me the name Fred Poopy pants, says Fred. I laugh again. I just can't help myself. He adds
1: Lauren has found herself a new partner. What? A 90th percentile
0: man, says Fred. I'm starting to suspect he's enjoying this. You bastard! Who is he? Carter Lewis. My eyes go wide. Carter Lewis. A friend at school, an enemy thereafter. The pretentious asshole with his high grades, good haircuts, four languages, and charity work. And don't get me started on his haughty companion, Foxton Lewis. Carter always had his eyes on Lauren. and Now he probably has more on her. Who learns four languages, Fred? Four. We all have companions. You only need one language. I slumped deeper into the armchair. And scene. That's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is the the type of quality content that people come back for, right, Nick? Well, so I have some bad news that I didn't
1: mention at the top. Okay. Which is that you know, last week we discussed how we had a bump in our listens two weeks ago. And we had two competing theories as to why that was. One was that we mentioned a sort of a very popular trending topic on the internet, which is ChatGPT. And your your theory was that your humor was so good that it was starting to attract twice as many listeners as the
0: previous week. Word had got around. I was pretty sure, actually. I'm still pretty confident. and I've not seen the figures, though.
1: Well, I checked them. And we're, d- we're back down to where we were prior to ChatGPT.
0: Oh, okay. So... I guess the conclusion is that it, it wasn't my humor.
1: Is, is uh, that what you... Well, we, well, you know, we can see what this week looks like.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but, but seriously, I mean, you know, I, so I read a draft of your novel and there's certainly humor in it, but it's not as focused on humor as this, this story, right? It's practically purely humorous interactions.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so this is a, it's just, I kind of wrote it, to mainly for the humorous part or learning how to write a bit more humor in. Yeah, that's right. But, but I mean, what, what is your
1: sort of general approach or thoughts about the, the role of humor in storytelling? So for me,
0: like I, when I'm writing humor, oh, this is terrible. I feel like it, it it's very satisfying to write. And I think you, I kind of want it there to be satisfying for the audience too, something unexpected that kind of catches them by surprise and and makes them laugh. So it's just sometimes... For me, giving them something um, that they don't see coming and flipping a situation on its head—you know, like this—this this story in itself wasn't probably long enough to do to do much of that. It was kind of a, I think, the type of humor in here was a bit more standard. But because, but although I think there is a world in in which I could take this premise and try and take it further into maybe the slightly absurd, or you know, into a situation flipped on its head.
1: There's kind of two ways of thinking about the relationship between humor and storytelling. One is, why would you include humor if what you're focused on is telling a story? And then the other one would be, why would you include a story if what you're focused on is being funny or you know generating humor? And I think in terms of why it would be useful to have a story behind your humor, we talked a little bit about writing jokes and we started from a very simple place you know the theory of Greg Dean with the setup and the punch and we got some you know considerable amount of criticism about you know these jokes being kind of simple dad jokes and I think when you have just a sh- such a short time to establish a premise that's limiting right but if you have a story that you've built up, and that, you know, the telling the story gets the, the people who are reading it or listening to it to get to know the characters, then even simply placing that character into a situation can be humorous because they know enough about the characters to fill in all the details themselves about why that situation might be humorous.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it, it adds a lot more depth to the, to the jokes. And especially if you're already familiar with the characters and put them in new situations where, you know, they're bound to do something like ahead of time, the audience can figure out that this is not a good situation for them to be in. I think something that you really commonly see in sitcoms and those sorts of shows, but I, I really enjoy it as well. I think a few times we've mentioned my love of Always Sunny. And I think that is something I think. So in the last season, season 15, they took them all to Ireland and put them in just like a completely different place. But you knew it was going to be a disaster no matter no matter what happened. Yeah. So no, I, I, I totally see that in terms of Adding storytelling to the humor and allowing your humor then to have more depth.
1: Another another popular example of this that has come up previously in the season, and also we had some discussion with our with our listeners was uh, the example of Tropic Thunder. So that's a that's a movie that I hadn't seen before. We discussed it. I think it first came up in our episode on comedy and controversy because in that film, Robert Downey Jr plays a person who is an actor who's essentially using blackface, right? You know, what they say in the movie is that the, that he underwent an operation to darken his skin. And so, you know, that's obviously like a, you know, potentially controversial move. I listened to an interview with him and he said, like, most people found it to be funny, but even people, some people close to him, you know, didn't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But you held it up as an example of how humor and storytelling can work well together. So what is it about the Tropic Thunder that you liked in terms of the storytelling?
0: So I think the story was pretty, like, I don't think the story had a huge amount of depth, but I think it is a um, a story that's often told about people coming together, building a team, and then each individual one of those trying to have something that they're, they're, you know, they have a weakness that they're trying to get over. And so, so, for instance, you have the one who's a Jack Black, who's a drug addict, you have um, Ben Stiller, who's on the downward spiral with his with his franchise, you know they all have certain insecurities that they try and get over, but like together they they manage to to move forward in their lives and they they build bonds, right? So it's a very like if you take the humor out of it, it's actually quite you know there's a lot of camaraderie in that film, but when you put the humor in, I think that's for me when that's when it gets hilarious, and some of the some of the humor is just. I mean, it's, I'm not going to call it stupid humor, but it's just, it's not like super complex types of humor, but it, I just, I found it very, I found it pretty funny. One aspect
1: or kind of humor that we haven't explicitly discussed much here, but also came up, you know, in the notes from our listeners was absurdity, mm. right? So, you know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, but the, you know, the basic premise of Tropic Thunder is that they're trying to make a movie about i think the vietnam war is that right
0: yeah that's right yeah
1: and it's not going well and so they have an idea which is to take the actors who are supposed to be making the movie and then actually isolate them in the jungle and then secretly tape them in order to make a movie right so like obviously you can't take this seriously because like that wouldn't ever actually work (laughs) but you know that that's the kind of uh, the absurd premise and i think that like Setting an absurd premise creates a lot of potential for humor, because like almost any situation that follows that is going to be funny, at least to a certain, you know, kind of viewer.
0: Yeah, so it is. I remember actually now that I guess you have already given the spoiler alert, but I can't remember. I think so. The director dies right at the start, right? If I, if I'm yeah, because
1: they, they, they put so. them in a location which has actual minds left over from the, the war that they're trying to recreate in the film.
0: I think there's some good character building. I mean, people might view those characters as being quite shallow, but I, I thought there was some good stuff with, I can't remember what his name, Tug Hardman? Was that Ben Stiller's character? Something like that. It's just, still makes me laugh just thinking about it. But the I think that definitely is, you know, like you said, the, the absurd setup is, so this is a story to, it, it's meant to be a humorous story, right? So they're clearly setting it up in an absurd way and in that kind of sense it does remind me of so in the notes you've written down catch 22 by joseph heller and that also had elements of absurdity in it i think when i can't remember what the main character was but when he was trying to get out of of the army or be discharged i can't remember exactly what it was there but i remember it just being like one of those absurd things that you you couldn't actually achieve
1: yeah it's a it's a classic in absurdity do you want to perform the bit of the Catch-22 that I found while I was uh, yeah, looking sure. for the role of humor in storytelling? Okay, I can be Clevenger.
0: Okay. They're trying to kill me, Yasserin told him calmly.
1: No one's trying to kill you, Clevenger said. Then why are they shooting at me, Yasserin asked. They're shooting at everyone, Clevenger answered. They're trying to kill everyone. Yeah. So, yeah, clearly like a, you know, a classic of storytelling, but, you know, lots, lots of humor embedded in this story. And so I I was actually trying to think like, you know, what would a completely unhumorous version of the story that you wrote today, like what would that seem like? And I think like, I mean, maybe this is an extreme example because it's so focused on being funny but it would be you know, completely dead. And I was reading several articles that people wrote for people who are trying to become writers about why you want to include humor. And one of the things that came up most often was just that it makes the story more realistic and the characters more relatable. Because you know, as we've sort of been alluding to this entire season, humor is just a big part of social interactions, right? And so if you sort of take a position that I'm not going to include humor because it's not serious, then not only are you robbing the chance of entertaining the audience, but it probably would sound totally unrealistic if something was completely lacking
0: in humor. I think I was going to say the same thing as to why you would include humor in your storytelling is that, I mean, humor is just part of, of real life. But I think it also adds a bit more dynamic range. I think that's a, a technical term sometimes used, but to the story, right? So if you just have one tone to the whole story, this is going to get boring after a while, surely. But if you can add a few more tones and a bit more color to it, I think then it adds adds a bit more. So... Yeah, I, I totally feel like humans an important part. Of it. Just like just like with everything else, it just adds adds some more dynamic range and a bit more variety to the to the story. If any of the listeners know examples of really humor focused stories, it'd be great to to hear from people because I can't think of any off the top of my head. Do you have any uh, any thoughts? Well, of-
1: so I mentioned Dave Barry earlier on in the season, and he's written both fiction and nonfiction books, but certainly you know his fiction. Is, you know, as examples of very, very humor-focused writing. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'll have to, I, I did, I did write off Dave Barry after the, the excerpt you, you read out, but maybe it's time to give him another chance. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gone back to read the
1: stories yet, so I can't say how it's going to be. Another, another piece of advice that I saw popping up in terms of, you know, people saying why it's good to include humor in your stories is that, It allows you to approach sensitive or difficult subjects. And I think this is the flip side of the the comedy and controversy thing, which is, you know, we we had always been saying that, you know, sometimes comedy can be controversial and, you know, get people in trouble because of the subjects that it touches. But I think really it allows you to go much farther than you would in exploring difficult subjects if you were not using humor. And so I think, that is actually like the, the positive side of that, you know, controversial aspect of humor is that it creates a setting in which people can discuss difficult things much more so than, than in the
0: absence of humor. I would again, I would point to Catch-22 as being a great example of this, because I think that was like, you know, in essence, it is a very difficult situation that they're trying to describe. And they do it through the lens of, like, there's a lot of humor, but there's also quite a lot of, it feels like, I'm not sure if depression is the the right word for it, but it feels like, you know, desperation in that book. So Yossarin is is desperate, he wants to get out of that, but they tell that through a lot of humor, and I I think that definitely feels quite true, the the idea that humor does allow you to sometimes have more difficult topics in, in your books.
1: Okay. Thanks. Thanks nourish. You know, I, I, really appreciate you putting in the time to actually write something original for the, the show. And, and, you know, if it didn't come through as, you know, clearly as it might, is probably my, my acting ability getting in the way
0: there. I think one thing we've learned during the course of this season, Nick, is that you do have, you, you, you are, you are talented as a voice actor. I think there's a future for you there. Oh boy,
1: come on. It's <laughs> hilarious. We may wrap the season on humor here for now. And it's going to be difficult to coordinate the recording over the holidays, but we may try to record some separate episodes and have a kind of holiday theme for a short while over the next few weeks, and then potentially move on to a new topic. So now is the time I think for, for audience members to send in their suggestions for, for a topic. But what do you think was the, the overall story of this, this humorous season?
0: That humor is difficult. I think that's mainly what I learned through my attempts, multiple attempts to write jokes and take all this input in was that uh, humor is a skill that needs to be developed. And if you can develop it, then you can entertain many people and earn quite a bit of money. And I don't know how well I've developed that skill, but maybe if I keep on working at it, then I've got a chance. What about you, Nick? We went in with the
1: intention of trying to understand both a little bit about the theory and the practice of humor. And as is completely natural, you know, in a, such a limited amount of time, you know, we we were only able to get so far into each of those. But, you know, I was happy to sort of discover this, you know, somewhat scientific theory of, of humor as it's, you know, being related to surprise. And then to see that same theme echoed by multiple people as we discovered more about about humor. With that being said, like the aspects of the theory of humor if they exist that go beyond that that basic premise, you know, are more or less unexplored here. We sort of alluded to the fact that, you know, if you take the time to build up a story, then it's possible to build up more types of, you know, complex humor, but I think, you know, to really make headway in that direction, it would take a lot of focused study. I did enjoy, you know, laughing at the jokes, either because they were funny or because they were bad. Yeah. I think obviously the most uncomfortable, you know, the, the discomfort climax of the season was the this episode on controversy, because mm-hmm. we basically couldn't talk about what we were trying to discuss. And then we learned something interesting, which was that if you mention trending topics on the internet, I think that people are searching for for that material. And therefore, you can increase the number of listens on your podcast by by simply talking about something <laughs> that's trendy, which I, which gave me an idea actually for a potential season, mm. which is just the the sellout season. So the premise would be like, we just check whatever's trending on the internet and then talk about it, even if we know nothing about it. What do you I, think about that? I, I do love that
0: idea. I think we're both due a good season of selling out. So I can I definitely see that in our futures. I did enjoy the episode about laughter. I think,
1: you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that it's always there if you look for it, but I hadn't really been thinking about the fact that it's it's not actually language, right? I like the you know the what we the definition we found, which said you know it, it coexists with language, but it's a kind of ancient relic, mm-hmm. and it's the kind of thing that you just miss if you're if you're not primed to thinking about that. But I think that that's that's quite interesting, and then you know I think another highlight for me, was just getting to read your story and then and be a part of performing it. So
0: <laughs> I will say that ChatGPT's accusation of humor failure did get under my skin a bit. It felt very perceptive, even though that ChatGPT hadn't been listening to our podcast. Yeah,
1: you know? and then you, you started to fight back by writing stories about AI and humor.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. It cut, me, it cut me so deep that I was like, no, I'm getting, getting some of my own back here. But I, I think, you know, like, because, and you mentioned it in, in the, the episode on laughter is that, you know, these are what some of these things we don't really think about laughter as, as something that is part of our lives or so we don't put too much thought into it. But I think I am, I'm very glad that laughter exists and people do laugh because it feels good to laugh, I would say. And I, I'm, I, when I hear a joke and it makes me laugh, that also makes me feel good. So I think that was another thing I discovered, you know, just to appreciate the times that we can, we laugh and we can laugh. I think that is a, a positive thing.
1: Yeah. So definitely in that respect, um, I'm glad that, you know, we took the time to, to do a season on humor. And I think we're going to have to return to these subjects periodically so that we don't, you know, lose the benefits of, of actually thinking about it for a little
0: bit. Did, did you have a favorite joke off the season? Nick, is there any one that you remember in the first episode where you told it, where the person jumps out of a window and says, so far, so good. And it feels like it's <laughs> such a simple joke, but every time I hear it or think of it, it makes me laugh and smile. And I just <laughs> so I think that was a good one. I liked my crab joke. It didn't get much love. I didn't like <laughs> it. <laughs> I like that you like it. All right is is that is that is that humor, Nick? For us, is that that's humor for now? I think. Okay.
1: Um cool. Yeah. Please send in your suggestions about topics that we can cover in the future. And if nobody sends in anything, then we're just going to be Talking about whatever is trending on the internet. So uh,
0: <laughs> the sellout season. Yeah. If you don't want that to happen, please.
1: You know, send in a suggestion.
0: And things may get. We're going to tr- still try and hit the, the the normal release schedule of of weekly over the Christmas holidays. But let's let's see what happens. It may get a bit distorted here and there, depending on people's schedules.
1: Yeah. So if we don't hear from everybody, or you don't hear from us, then happy holidays. Happy holidays. All right, Neeraj. I'll uh, talk to you soon.
0: Yeah, catch you soon. See you, Nick. Bye.